0: turn what you
1: got in front of it's still hello and welcome to episode 34 of the season with myself Ollie and I don't have glim price this week but I have mike price and welcome back to the podcast mike Hi Ollie, you're right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Thanks for stepping in. Unfortunately, Glenn doesn't feel very well. Um, he has. He might surprise some people, but he's actually been working very, very hard over the last few months, and it all seems to have kind of caught up with him. So yeah, Glenn no, wasn't ready to kind of do the podcast today. He so says he that setting.
0: Ollie. I think he just fancied an afternoon off. Is there a? I think the golf sign. He's probably watching. He's the He's probably golf. watching he probably...
1: the Masters, isn't he? Maybe that's yeah. what he's doing. He says he's off tomorrow as well. So maybe he's just going to stay up late. It's the Masters in in
0: America. It is, yeah, but yeah. maybe he's, he's getting ready to go to the pub tomorrow. That That's right probably what tomorrow, it is. Then he's yeah. going to go
1: to. He's going to stay up and watch the Masters all night, and then yeah. he's going to go to the pub at midday. So we figured it out. Yeah.
0: Made you look a mug, here, Ollie.
1: <laughs> He's making me do the agenda and the editing. So yeah, he's de- I'm definitely going to have to do a bit more work this week. Um, so this week is a one game week pod. Um, and we're just talking about the Gillingham game. Um, and going into the game, it's fair to say we're a little bit worried because we've got Steve Evans, who comes with a bit of a reputation. And even more of a reputation comes with Trevor Kettle, um, the referee.
0: Yeah, I mean, what a, what a combo they them two are. Like, you've got that the egg on leg, is in a coat, Steve Evans. He's just such an odd-shaped man. And then Trevor Kettle, who inevitably is going to send somebody off. For it. But, well, I mean, amazingly, didn't yesterday. Yeah. But, he's always good for a laugh isn't he so we weren't really hoping for much were we
1: no we weren't hoping too much it was obviously it's a long away trip for the players um, often Gillingham play at 1pm but we, we made them stick to 3pm um, and yeah it was, a, it was a game that I kind of I don't really know what to expect I was a little bit concerned about Gillingham's style and how effective they are but actually turned out to be a really good game so actually this one should be quite a good one to go through
0: yeah, it was good fun, wasn't it, for a nil-nil? It kept me entertained. Um, like you say, they're a better, than us, well, a better position than us in the league, so you thought we'd be up for a tough game. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite nice to watch, actually. Cool. So, yeah,
1: let's get into the action... So Gillingham nil, Shrewsbury nil. I always keep. We always used to talk about the attendance, but it's obviously zero again. So uh, yeah, I bet you look are you looking forward to get back into the stadium, Mike.
0: Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, I think we were talking just before we started recording. Watching the games on, it, it, I, I don't engage fully with it. You know, you've got your phone in your hand. The kids are running around the house. You know, you might have something cooking in the kitchen. You you kind of in between it. I, I don't. I find it quite easy to get distracted. Whereas. In the ground, you know, you're constantly watching the match unless you're sat by Glyn who's constantly tweeting. Um, <laughs> so I, I can't wait to get back up the meadow and, and really get back into it—the atmosphere, the people, the social side of it—you know, everything. So, yeah, this season uh, it can it can go it can go the way, and uh, we can get back in next season. Yeah.
1: And what what do you kind of miss from a kind of like analysing and watching the game? What what's the kind of thing that you miss from? from oh, that, all the aspect? stuff that
0: happens off camera. Yeah, like you know, you, the amount of stuff you can see like in a build up to a move. The defenders might have the ball and you can see the movement of the strikers, whereas on the screen, all you can see is the defenders. And so you you don't get to appreciate probably the work that players are doing off the ball. And then, I mean, probably, hopefully there's a little bit more going on than we see from our strikers um, when we can't see it. But yeah, you kind of don't get the full picture of the match just watching it on your telly, I think. Yeah, um, and it's, it's fine doing it once in a while.
1: But yeah, yeah, certainly, you know, I'm sure, you know, a lot of us have been watching our better a lot and, and things like that. And yeah, you kind of see those differences. And obviously, we never never really saw Matt Miller play. So yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a bit odd, isn't it? We've had some players come, we have never seen him yeah. in the flesh.
0: Well, Chapman as well. We'll never see yeah. him, I reckon. Yeah. No, we
1: probably won't ever actually see him in the flesh. Maybe maybe he's an opposition player but unless yeah. we sign him. So yeah, that's something to look forward to. So this was a big game. Obviously, shoes we drew, we got one point, and that took us to the
0: Magic 50 points. And we're still 17th. Amazing, isn't it? We're just—I think we'll be 17th for the next ten years, probably. I mean, that wouldn't <laughs> be too bad. At least we wouldn't get relegated. But no. it's funny how I keep looking at the table and waiting for the games in hand to catch up, and we keep seeming to be getting results. But I don't—I can't do the maths to see how we haven't moved up. But I mean, 17th—we'd have all took it after Ricketts, wouldn't we? And 50 points uh, in the pace that. Cottrell's picked up the points, has been nothing short of remarkable is it?
1: It is absolutely remarkable and it's in, it's funny you say that, yeah, we've been catching up, so us and Burton, obviously Burton had their run kind of a month later than us mm. and we're kind of two points behind Plymouth now, four points behind Crewe, so we've slowly clawed them back, but yeah the gap at the start was absolutely huge um, and it does feel like we'll be seventh, 17th through ages, if we finish in 17th you know, if we finish twelfth, obviously I'd much prefer that. But if we finish 17th we you'll almost have some kind of kind of yeah, special special connection to that place because we've been there such a long time.
0: Yeah, I think I think we could probably consider it. You know, in terms of relegation, job done, of surviving that, and, and yeah. it's really all to play for. So it'd be interesting to see how hard some of the players work towards the end of the season to achieve as much as they can, and who sort of got their uh, who've got the flip flops on and the towel ready to go on holiday. So it might be sort of separate the, the the people that are interested in playing for us next season against those that are maybe looking for another club. It's
1: really interesting you say that because obviously last week we had the Plymouth game where their players definitely had their, their flip-flops on yeah. and they lost 3-0 again to Hull. So they lost; they have conceded six goals and also we've seen Accrington Stanley score and concede 12 goals in two games. So yeah, yeah, there's definitely been some crazy results. And as you say, so many players have their contracts up at the end of the year. It'll be really interesting to see who keeps fighting for a place mm. and, and for a contract. It's interesting
0: to see how, how Cottrell as a manager manages that end of season sort of Tail off as well, whether he can keep uh, motivation levels high. I mean, remotely, obviously, but obviously Wilbraham being involved, so it'd be interesting to see how we go into the end of the season, really.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. A lot of games we've got actually have play teams that have got something to fight for as well, so that should keep keep it interesting. Um, In terms of the lineup, um, we have Sausage in goal, and then we had the same team actually that started against Plymouth, which is not a surprise, is it? Might that we started with the same eleven?
0: No, they were excellent against Plymouth. As bad as Plymouth were, I think we really took advantage of them being on an off day. I'm not sure there's much else you could have done about it. It would have been quite harsh to drop any of those guys, really.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So just for those who weren't aware of the team, so we had Sausage in goal, Pennington, Ebanks and Pierre in defence. Love, Vela, Goss, Norburn and Obeta, um, and Warley and Ado. I'm just going to ask you about two, um, two players, maybe three players actually, might just kind of get a bit of view of... So how what's your view of Love? He's, he's done all right, I think, in the, in the new year.
0: I mean, every game, every sort of game he's played this season, pretty much has been—he's done a good job. He's—he's he's never going to win you a game, but he's, I don't really feel like he's going to lose this one after he's sort of come back from that pretty bad form he had before he got completely bombed out by Ricketts. Um, and again, he did it again. I like to have a, a specialist in that position, you know, playing on the right as a, as a sort of a defensive wing back. He's not really good at going forward, but you can't say it fairer than he's come back in from a difficult position and done well uh, when he's been in.
1: Yeah, he's done a job, hasn't he? And yep. um, obviously, on the other flank, what have you made of a better
0: Oh, the world's, the world's greatest footballer. <laughs> he's unbelievable, isn't he? I mean, how he's, how he's found his way to Shrewsbury is beyond me. How other bigger teams haven't been able to pick him up. Um, but so, you know, kudos to the scouting team and, and whoever's doing the recruitment there. But he looks he looks so natural there. And apparently he's actually, I mean, through the academy at Man City, was a centre-half. I mean, yeah. how you could ever curtail his attacking spirit, you'd, you'd have to be mad to. But he sees himself in the future as a centre-mid, and I can totally see that as well. So yeah. he's just he seems to just be a very, very good footballer.
1: Yeah, he is, isn't he? He's a good athlete as well, which obviously mm-hmm. will help him push on. And it's really interesting. Uh, when we signed him, I asked um, a couple of people some, some for their opinion on him, and one of them was a guy that follows um, Man City Academy and goes to a lot of games, and he said, yeah, he'll either play left-back or centre-back. And yeah, we thought maybe he might have taken that Pierre or where Williams is playing at the
0: moment position, but you'd be yeah. mad to play him in a back three. Oh, he's, he's definitely I mean one one of two of our most attacking outlets so yeah. whichever of Wally or Chapman is playing is probably number one and then but they just seem to want to get the ball to him and he was popping up all over the shop yeah. on Saturday wasn't he
1: yeah he was we played yeah it's worth noting actually we played um three five two with Goss with his kind of dynamic role playing a central fielder and pushing on as a 10 but then we were almost like playing, as a football manager term, fluid on full. So we really were no. fluid, weren't we, had our better on the left. Sometimes Goss was dropping back. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what Cottrell can do with this squad with a yeah. full pre-season.
0: Yeah, I mean, different, I mean, we're obviously not going to keep hold of the goalkeeper, but from the back line through the midfield, it's, it's pretty good. I quite oh, like yeah. it. It's just when we get anywhere near the opposition box exactly. is, is a shocker, isn't it? Yeah, it
1: exactly is. Um, I was on a, a D3-D4 kind of doing an end-of-season review and, yeah, kind of prepping for that, thinking, you know, where's your strengths and stuff. And central defence and central field, is, we've got really good players. Um, it's obviously we've got a good left wing back now, but, yeah, it's those strikers and those attacking options which we really need to recruit, and it would be fascinating to see what Cottrell and Keith Burke can do in the summer. Mm, can't wait. So um, the game started um, with 2 minutes silence for the very unfortunate news um, that the Duke of Edinburgh passed away. Um, so that was very sad. Um, the game apparently on Saturday might be moved. The time that hasn't been announced yet. But obviously, it was a sad news um, that Prince Philip had passed away.
0: Yeah, I'm not a huge monarchist, so we might want to gloss over this relatively quickly. <laughs> but it's sad when anybody dies. And yeah, I suppose you, you know, as a, as a nation, they pay their respects. But um, yeah, I'm not sure about moving next week's game for it. You know, I, that seems extreme. But there you go. There's plans in place.
1: Yeah, fair to say actually that um, Gillingham started this game on top and it all kind of accumulated from their attacking play when Ebanks missed the ball and Oliver had a shot on target um, and that wasn't the best start to the game Mike I imagine you thought oh god we're going to score they're going to score at this point
0: yeah I thought we were in for a rough afternoon I mean uh, Ebanks usually so reliable and he just completely missed the ball didn't he yeah. Um I watched it back on the replay earlier on and it, it's it's quite alarming how we didn't concede there that Oliver must have been seeing that in his dreams uh, yeah, on Saturday night because it was a real easy chance
1: it was a poor chance yeah he just seemed to get I think he was almost surprised as Ebanks was that he got the ball mm. and that seemed yeah. to get. we seemed to get away from that um, and then there was a, another bit of good play um, again Jackson who was one of their best players the right back um, pushing forward across the ball and a header at goal by their left back who kept popping up all the time and it's fair to say that the first kind of 10-15 minutes was all Gillingham
0: yeah it, it, they looked like they were really exposing uh, Love and Ogbetta down the flanks they, they looked like they were in for a torrid afternoon but Credit to him, they got on top of it after the first ten, I think, and they made a game of it down the flanks. Um, but yeah, there was a lot coming in, and like you say, that left back popping up was a bit of a bit of a trouble.
1: Yeah, he he was pushing forward a lot, and yeah, Gilligan play a four four two, and their backs really push on and, and really add a lot of mm. creativity to their team. But maybe twenty minutes or so, I'm um, sure kind of got into the game, and we started to keep the ball. And for me, it was really really noticing how 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 keen um Williams and Pennington were to push forward and we were, it really was a classic kind of 3-5-2 versus 4-4-2 game we dominated start dominating the center of the park and we started to play some really nice stuff
0: yeah i thought the 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 guys in the middle of the park sort of brought us back into it you know Bella, Goss and, and Norbin were were good at just popping the ball around amongst themselves you know taking the pressure off and trying to build something uh, whereas it maybe in, in the in the first 10 we'd been a bit eager to clear our lines um so it was nice to see us trying to control a game against supposedly superior opposition and try and, try and stamp our own patterns on it, really.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting point. It's obviously, Gillingham are on the coattails of the playoffs, and this game probably means that their, their playoff dreams are over. But it shows us you know, the squad that we have today, which is, we'd probably say isn't a great squad, we matched Gillingham in this game, and we, it certainly was two equal sides, I would say. Obviously, not in terms of league position, but in terms of quality on the pitch. Um, you know yeah. our midfield and central defence as we we've pointed out, was equal to their players. Um, just it's, the attacking it's one of the, element of our side was lacking.
0: But it's one of the odd things since Cockrell's took over is that we'll compete against those supposedly good teams and then we'll yeah. just roll over for the poor teams. And it's been pointed out a million times that we do it, but it's something that we've got to get to grips with again in the close season. That you know we, we we give up a lot of easy points and then we we take a lot of hard points almost.
1: Yeah, we do, yeah. we do, we, we do de- definitely get better against teams that give us a bit more space. Mm. and counter-attack and courts talking a counter-attack so 31 minutes in a super attack from, from Salop really good play from a doe in the middle of the park a love has a shot um, at goal um, it, the whole goal almost seemed like the whole half the goal was almost mm. empty because the keeper was moving around to get in position um, this opportunity was created by Warley who did some gr- brilliant bit of dribbling gave it to who crossed it into the box and yeah, it's it's a kind of position place. If you know, if you were there, Mike, playing for the away supporters, you'd want to. I never got there, ollie I never got there.
0: Yeah, it's the one guy on the team you really don't want it to fall yeah. to, do you? Um, and and to be fair, he just seemed to have a little bit of a, a, a caught in tune minds whether to take a touch or whether to finish it. And he just sort of yeah. popped it sideways, didn't he? But I mean, you know, good on him for getting there. He's he's always. Some people will moan about Donald Love for not getting forward enough, but he's arriving late in the box to create those chances. But I, I think the only natural finish I've ever seen him score was that own goal he scored. Um, <laughs> Uh, against Liverpool, maybe or something. Yeah, that was always a. It stands out for me with Donald Love.
1: Yeah, he's. He, if we're going to push on and we're going to be a playoff promotion um, hunting team, we need our full-backs to score. Obviously, our better does that from the left, and mm. uh, we need something similar on the right. Now, to be fair to him, he did get the shot on target. It did go for a corner, but he's had those moments a few times this season. He just hasn't scored. It'd be interesting yeah. to see what'd happen if he did score,
0: where he'd go on a bit of a run. But yeah, it just never seems to happen for him. He's quite um, keen for a shot, though. He does take a yeah. few shots in a game, so he's not. He's not. He's not ashamed. He's not scared of having a pop. But I think possibly an extra hour on the training field a week doing that.
1: Yeah, and I think he's definitely a confidence player. He seems to be confident at the moment. Obviously, he dropped confidence last year and kind of went away from the team. And maybe that's why Sam Ricketts didn't pick him. But he's doing well at the moment. And yeah, it's a shame he didn't get that goal. He almost, I think, he deserves that bit of that moment for all the work he does. Yeah, you're right. Um, and then another really good bit of play from Udo, so this is something we just do not see enough from him. So he picks the ball up kind of half near the halfway line, drives forward and has an effort from range, really good effort from Odo. Um And we need to see more. But that's all the frustrations we have with Udo. Obviously, I'm sure you've heard me England Glenn talk about it a lot, but he just doesn't take these chances and he doesn't create those chances enough either.
0: No, I mean, the first, and before this, my my um, my F-sake Udo meter was, you know, is was counting up because every time he seemed to get the ball played into him, he'd take a touch and it'd be into a good spot, but he'd fall over or it, it'd bounce off him or the, strut, or the defender would get around him. And he's, he's a frustrating player to watch because every now and again, maybe once every three games, he'll pop up and he'll do this. And it was, he pulled the ball to his right foot onto his left. He went around the defender and he, he got a decent shot on target. Um, and you just think like, if he could do that consistently, he'd be decent enough, but he's just not consistent enough uh, with his output, is he?
1: No, he's not. It's a, and you say, yeah, he is absolutely superb in this game. Um, when him and Wally are on fire, it does give, give us a chance. Um, and then talking of efforts, Vela has an effort from, from long range outside the box. I don't know if this is a tactic or not, but we seem to take quite a lot of shots from outside the box in this one.
0: Yeah, again, Vela's having a lot of shots at the moment, I feel like. Whenever I'm watching him, he's popping a, a few shots off here and there. And I think that's that's to be encouraged because we got a bit shots shy uh, under Ricketts towards the end. And, and you know, when the keeper spills it or it takes a deflection, how many goals we do actually score. So I'd encourage them to have shots as long as they're getting on target. Um, and, and, yeah, it's just it's just good proof that Vela's in good form. He's confident. He's getting up there and he's getting involved. So, um, you know, I, I hope they carry on doing that and they don't become this team that tries to pass other teams to death. Um, I, I like watching my teams, you know, have shots and try and score, actually. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Some,
1: and it also means the opposition don't know how to defend. If you're just never hmm. going to shoot, it does come easier to defend against. Yeah. Um, and then it's things fair to say Gillingham came back in at the end of the half um, and then yeah, their their left back um, missed an absolute sitter um, from short range and he hit the post, oh. which was another another chance that was probably going to be um, giving him nightmares last night.
0: Yeah, we had Ebanks missed the ball at the start of the half, and then Pennington completely missed it then, didn't he? It was sort of hit off his knee, and that's easier than the chance, the first chance I think. It's he's like literally almost on the goal line. Yeah, so you've got to toe it in, and he smacks it right to the base of the post. And yeah, I was like I scared the kids of it, because I was like oh like shouting out <laughs> in the front room. Um, but we did good to survive it and get into half-time because I think I think had that gone in we'd have been in for a very different second half
1: yeah Yeah. this season's been very odd and yeah it'd be interesting to see if this is a memory obviously I'll take into next season whether a one goal is so important but one goal does seem to be so vital in this game obviously Mm. went in at 0-0 at half-time we actually ended up having 58% possession talking of shots we had 10 to their seven, three on target but 6 were blocked Mm. and as we mentioned a few times we did have quite a few shot blocks uh, which is a bit frustrating, but an entertaining half overall.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I, we went into the into halftime. You know, I, I made sure I stayed very clear of uh, Radio Shropshire on Glynn's advice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought we could get something in the second half. I really felt that after the first ten minutes, we kind of weathered the storm. I think we'd worked out there wasn't that much to fear from them, apart from their extreme use of the long throw, which we'll probably get to in the second half. Um, and yeah, I thought you know a little bit of a chat from Steve on the phone at halftime, and we could. Uh, we could regroup and go again as mickey Mellon used to say
1: yeah yeah we did what did what was your half-time snack of choice
0: um and around with the kids i think they were annoying <laughs> me so i told them off and then uh, a cup of tea probably in a biscuit i can't yeah. really remember it's a long time ago saturday um, <laughs> but yeah no usually just uh just get a quick cup of tea on the go I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've developed a bit of a tradition where i won't have a beer until we score so i was uh booze free on Saturday
1: unfortunately yeah I never really drink in the afternoon I often drink after a game, particularly if we have won. but yeah for yeah. me it's always half time cup of tea or something and I had a, a nice spice bun from Marks and Spencer's which went down for a treat so that was very posh yeah it was nice uh, it was only like one quid but yeah it does sound good <laughs> better <laughs> than it probably
0: is it does yeah it does sound very good yeah
1: so, um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that the second half wasn't as entertaining, but it was still a good half of football. Both sides didn't create as many chances. So we created 10 shots in the first half. We did seven in the second half. Um, they mm. they created less as well than they did in the first half. Um, but mm. there was, yeah, they made a change at half time. So Samuel came on for Akinde, who didn't have the best half. Um, and I thought he made a bit of an effort and he won a few more headers.
0: Yeah, but you could tell that they... they... I think they felt they had to change it to, to get back on top again. But yeah. like you say, in the second half, it felt like we sort of said to ourselves at halftime, a point here is a good result. Um, you know, if we can nick one, great, but let's not give it away. And I think they kind of they felt that like, they had to change something to get in the game. So it was two teams sort of feeling each other each other out again at the at the start of the second half. I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. I thought that gave um, the central defenders something else, and um, Pennington and and, and the Ebanks in particular something to fight against. Um, mm. Yeah, Jills do push forward and they do play a lot of long balls. Um, but it's fair to say, actually, in terms of comparison, yeah. So some teams there has been quite a bit of bit of what maybe you might describe banter or discussion on Twitter between Jills fans and opposition fans. But I think it's yeah. fair to say actually that we played quite similar football, don't we, to Gillingham? We're probably not as not tw- as direct as them. We won't our fullbacks won't launch it forward maybe as quickly as they do. But it's fair to say that yeah. our styles is very are pretty similar.
0: Yeah, there's definitely something in it. I think that we sometimes we're, we're prone to revert to type under Ricky's, yeah. which was which was direct a lot of the time. When you think back to it, Cottrell has got us playing more football. But it, I mean, for me, it was it was the sort of stuff you expect from Steve Evans' team. You know, bit shit AC, a bit direct. They rely on set pieces and long throws. And I'm glad he was never our manager. He was linked a couple of times, but good God, I couldn't watch his football. No, I I wouldn't say so
1: much his football is as bad as his his um side his, his sideline antics, and you could hear him throughout the game. And yeah, and we're I was going to mention this actually. There was a few times wasn't there where they, they went down quite easily to try and win free mm. kicks in good areas. And to be fair to Trevor Kettle, we obviously were quite
0: concerned about
1: him. Yeah, I thought he actually had a superb game.
0: He he really seemed to manage it well. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure that we'd got the name of the ref wrong. It was somebody else because he he let things flow and he wasn't taken in by their shenanigans and. It just he seemed to keep a calm hand on the, on the tiller sort of thing so yeah very surprising maybe he's been on a course I don't know maybe he's, um, he's been reading the rule book again
1: it was quite funny there was a tweet from, from Ali Harvey and she said that none of our players got booked so do you think we no. went, our players went into this game in um, Trevor Kettle mode
0: but yeah possibly they've been warned to, to, to be wary of him because you know usually Norburn or Vella will get a book in and one of the centre-halves will pop up on. so I'd like to, you know Glenn's unfortunately not here hopefully he's got the stats of the last time we had a game where nobody got booked um, that's a, that a good stat.
1: Maybe. I'll make a note of that. Yeah, that's a stat. Maybe we can come back to next week when we last had right. no yellow card. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was interesting actually because we we they got quite a few bookings, and so I think yeah. they had three bookings and they made ten fouls and we did fifteen. So we did fifty percent more fouls but didn't get any yellows. So I thought it was nice to see. You know, we've often seen Trujato's side being quite naive. And we, mm. we're not naive at the moment, are we? We no. seem to play the game quite well, on, on and side. I think
0: their fans will probably be sat at home, or you know, if they've got a podcast, they'll be saying that we're a bunch of shit houses because you know we you know we make the most of contact now where we didn't used to, and we'll yeah. try and we'll try and manipulate the referee a bit more. Which you know, when you're the opposition, you think, oh, what a terrible team! I couldn't watch that every week. But actually, if I take my blue and amber spectacles off, are we that different, really? You know, so no, we're very um, good at time wasting,
1: to... aren't we? Like Burton away. Oh
0: brilliant I was uh, to be fair I was watching my night this afternoon and Dean Henderson is still the absolute champion of time wasting <laughs> he's unbelievable he is I, I loved it when he played for us he'd lie on the ball and like nod to the crowd behind and him he's still doing that in the yeah. Premier League yeah
1: yeah I can remember him doing that smiling and winking a few times to the town fans behind yeah. what a character but yeah, yeah we, we are good at that and it's you have got to do it. Um, yeah. You know, crew did a good job on us um, at home this season, um, and did basically got their win through that kind of bit bit of play. Mm. Um, you, you want to be smart, and you need to, you need to do that. And that's one thing I think we're good at. We're good. I think Vela and Norburn are good at doing tactical fouls to stop things going on the counter, but they're doing such a way that they don't often get booked, which is good.
0: Yeah, I know you and Glyn fall out about him, but like, and when I, since Anthony Grant left, we we've been bad at sort of having that person in the middle of the park who we'll takes some contact, go down, and, and relieve the pressure. And I think. Yeah, Norbin and Vela are starting to do that again. Yeah. And, and it just helps us not sustain too much pressure and we can just get ourselves out and, and get, us re- get ourselves reset. Um, and that was yeah. something that Grant was brilliant at, I think.
1: Yeah, Norman's really taken that role on, hasn't mm. he? He's really yep. good at winning those fouls. And just especially when we're under pressure and, and kind of... Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, actually. It's a good point, that, Mike. I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, he's really, he really is good at doing that, isn't he? Taking the pressure off. And we were talking about Norburn before we started and... I mm. think he's been pretty good this season and we've certainly missed him when when he when he hasn't been in the side.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's noticeable when he's not about because he does a lot of the the dirty work and I think like I was saying off camera he's probably up to all sorts that we don't see. Um, when the ball's in transition you know marking's player just pushing him out of position and he's he's a smart footballer he's a good footballer he's doing what we need him to do and that's lead by example and yeah definitely it coincides when he's in the team we'll have a good game. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping you know obviously his contract's not up this season is it? No, we've got him so next season. He's in, He's in there again next season, we can yeah. build around him and, and he's really doing... And what I've really enjoyed seeing from him recently, under under Ricketts, he was very uh, standstill, pass sideways, pass backwards. And he's now taking the ball, he's taking a touch and he's looking up and he's going forward, he's travelling with the ball and he's passing forward. And, and he's, it, it, there was a couple of times he broke forward. Um, I can remember there was a particular time when he sort of popped the ball forward, went after it, got it back, whipped a little cross in. And I think it was Goss got the header at the back stick and it was... That's how he can drive us forward and create chances out of nothing. He's um yeah, he's really stepped up. And
1: it'd be really fascinating to see what he can do if he has two good strikers playing in front of him. Um, and oh, some God. few more a bit more talent. So that's something to look forward to for it. next season. Yeah. It could be <laughs> yeah, very looking very excited about next season. One the thought of being in the ground. And secondly, yeah, yeah seeing what kind of squad um, the management team can, can build together. Um mm. and yeah, talking of patient build up, we had a good bit of build up play and a long range effort from Vela again. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, this is one of their weapons, a long throw from Jackson. So quite a few of their chances in the second half actually came from Jackson. And, yeah, they had one where they headed over. And, yeah, he, that was quite a weapon, wasn't it, Jackson, taking those throws from the right?
0: Yeah, it's, it's clearly their game plan as well. They'll bang it in the court, into the sort of channels, try and force the defender to knock it out. And then he comes up and, and whaps it into the, into the box. It's effective. I mean, there's no doubt about it. When you play against a team with a long throw... The defence don't really know how to set because they, they can set deep for the long throw and then he just pops it off short or they'll set, you know, with, with a man short and then you're a man light in the box. So it does throw up all sorts of problems. But I think barring one or two scrappy ones, we dealt with it pretty well. Um, and I was surprised they persisted with it as long as they did uh, because we've got quite a lot of tall lads, you know, three centre-halves at the back. We're probably more set up to deal with it than, than maybe another team playing four four two.
1: Yeah, definitely. But the three at the back for us was perfect to play against um, the, mm. this this Gillingham side. And it's worth noting, so actually Gillingham, they do play the ball long and they do like to get it forward. But to fetch them, they do try to play it as well. I thought Jackson mm. and uh, the guy on the right wing, is it Graham, was very effective yeah. when they did get the ball. Um, but I did find some stats before the game started. And um, in terms of like aerial draws, one, so Oliver, their striker, has won 385. Which is sixty-six percent more than the next second place player in the division, who's won two hundred and thirty-seven. So that's a lot more. And then in terms of how many attempts he's had, he's had over seven hundred attempts to win the ball, and the second placed is up with four hundred and fifty. Right. So that's so like, they are
0: pretty direct. Yeah. yeah so
1: that's like nearly yeah. three hundred more um, time attempts he's had to try and win the ball from a from a from a long ball. Um, so yeah, they do play direct. But to fair to them though, they've got some good players in their side.
0: I think yeah, they, they must. He must be on the knockdown for the sort of trickier guys in and around him to, to make the most of it. But like I say, they're ninth, so it's, they're doing something right. Yeah. Um, whether I could watch it every week is is quite another question. No,
1: but they have definitely got some players. As you say, haven't they? I, I thought their left yeah. back was good. Jackson was good. Graham was good. And Dempsey, who they signed from Fleetwood, I think, is a decent central midfielder.
0: Yeah, that's a problem for me. When I watch the town, I don't really watch the opposition. So like people, oh, did you like in the opposition? I don't really watch them to be honest. I just watch <laughs> the town, and then and then I, I watch our defenders when the opposition have got the ball. So um, yeah, but like I say, you know, you could tell there's some talent in there, but yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, no, nobody. I was desperate to take off their hands in the summer anyway.
1: No, the only one I'd probably be interested in would be Jackson. Um, but mm. yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I doubt I couldn't see a player leave and Jilling to come to us. Um, but yeah, they're a decent size, and it'd be interesting to see how they how they push on next season. Um, and then in terms of like the game, kind of yeah, not a lot really actually happened. There wasn't a lot of chances as we said in the second half. So eighty mm. minutes or so, Graham had had a dive and they had, they had had a free kick which went out unfortunately for a corner. But I was really pleased that that, that dive wasn't rewarded. Um, and then we made yeah. a substitution, Mike, on the eighty sixth minute and brought Chapman and Main on. For you, was that a bit late or was you quite happy with that timing?
0: I, yeah, unless we're winning, I don't really see the point of late substitutions. I think I'd rather change it on seventy minutes or not change it at all really because it's you don't give the guys coming on much time to do anything. I mean Chapman did nearly score, to be fair <laughs> to him. Um but I mean you know, Maine, um my jury's not out on Maine anymore. I am not I'm not a main guy. I think he offs he some puffs and he always he always seems to almost make the run. And then he doesn't make the run. And then the guy, whoever's got the ball, passes it to somebody else. And then only when that happens, they will make the run just so he can complain he didn't get the ball. It seems a really odd way he plays. Um, he works hard and he runs about, but he's not the answer. So, yeah, bringing him on was just, I think that was just to try and disrupt it. I think Udo was probably tired. Same with Chapman. I think we just chuck him on for a bit of gold dust, try and get a, a goal out of nothing. Um, I don't think there's any more to it than that. I don't think it was a big tactical shift.
1: No, there was no tactical shift. But, yeah, I was surprised we waited so long. And then 88 mm-hmm. minute we brought Edwards on. Um, which huh. which is a bit odd. Maybe that I don't know. We're not sure why he keeps coming on so late all the it's time. Your Legs again, probably. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure. It's a bit odd. And then yeah, 90 minutes. Um, as you mentioned, Chapman had a really good effort. I thought this was going in, but then it was deflected wise, and I thought that was yeah. probably the best chance we had in the second half.
0: Yeah, that was the, that was the one moment that got you off your seat and thought you might have scored. Um, and when that didn't go in, I thought, yeah, nil nil. We'll take that. You know, we we'll get back on the coach, get back to Shropshire, and and uh, and yeah, work on next weekend's game because. Um, I think a point at Gillingham is a decent result, actually, all told. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely
1: for Shrewsby, I thought a draw was a better result. A point for them was not good enough. They needed to get three points. That's probably why we saw them go for it a bit more in the second half. But yeah, mm. they did have enough chances to score, but I think so did we.
0: Yeah, I think I think if either a team had, had taken the game by a, by a snatched goal, I don't think there could have been many complaints. But I think the draw was, you know, it's the big cliche, the draw was about the fair result, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. cool. So yeah, the game kind of come to a close there. Um, yeah, decent affair. I thought you know it's not a game where I ruined my my ten pound to watch and follow. <laughs> and um, yeah, so game ended nil nil. We'll take the points, point, fifty points and all that. Um, so yeah. who was your top three?
0: Uh, so I went for Vela. Uh, I just think that at the moment he's pretty much running the games for us. He's he's absolutely everywhere, the little Duracell bunny. But he's also so good on the ball. He can take it in tight areas and he can he can find feet. And he and he's also one of the one of the guys having shots and trying to score the goals. So. He's pretty much doing everything. You can't say fairer than that. Um I went for his mate in centre mid second, uh, Norburn, who was he's basically doing the unglamorous side of what Vella's doing, I think. He sets a good platform for Vela to go and to go and do what he does. I think he's he's there sort of cutting out the passes, keeping the ball moving. Um I was really impressed with him again. And, and as captain, but that's what you need. And then third, I went for Wally, just because he just never stops running. And if we if we were going to create anything in that game, it was gonna come from him um or, or better. But um I just think I just think he's been played up front, which isn't his natural position, and he's doing ever such a good job there. Uh, he's he's, he's um clear main goal threat. So um, yeah, I gave him my third.
1: Yeah, he's having a, having a, a good season. And did you think that goal against Plymouth last week, the first one where it was double deflection, was his goal? He's actually been awarded that goal. Did you yeah, think that th- was his goal?
0: Yeah, I think so. He did. He did enough to make it, and I think that. Um, I think it was on target and it sort of looped over the keeper but yeah, give yeah. it in you cool that takes it. him to
1: 8 for the season so yeah. um, Glynn's top 3 Glynn went for Sarsic Pennington and Vela as well so Vela got there in there again interesting Sarsic got in Glynn's um, top 3 interestingly actually the the, 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 the yeah. EFL League 1 do a, a team of the day and Jill's goalkeeper was the goalkeeper of the week weekend yeah, right. so that's quite interesting shows how how, how busy we kept him
0: yeah, I, I was going to go Sarsic as my third. I went with Wally instead, but he, he scribbled out on my pad here. So I, I did think <laughs> he had a good game. He kept... He dealt with everything that was chucked at him and it was quite a bombardment so he did really well
1: yeah um i went for bella and the same as you i thought he was fantastic and then i went for pennington i thought he had a really good steady game he was, mm. had a lot of headers and a lot of tackles to win and then i went for ebanks yeah he made those couple of mistakes but he had so many headers to win and for me that was key for Ooh. to kind of nullifying their their attacking threat on the long ball so i yeah. thought he did really well and for me it's also quite noticeable actually that there's a man in not in the top three who's been in the top three very consistently since he signed and that was Og Better. Mm. Um, so, what
0: did Og Better, what, what could Og Better have done to get in your top three? Scored about three more goals. No, he, <laughs> uh, he didn't have a bad game, but yeah. for him, he didn't have a brilliant game. And I suppose he set his standards so high that when he just has an average game, um, you, you kind of don't notice it as much. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's popping in goals and stuff. And when he got forward, he, he'd have a chance to cross and he'd kind of hump it out of play. It just kind of wasn't his day with his final ball, but. He, did, he seemed to do okay and he cut like I say he got into the game and he cut well with their with their sort of right right wingers and right back um it's just he set his standard so high I think he's got to shine uh keep going
1: it's interesting you say that I, I thought he didn't have the best defensive performance and I know there's a term that a football term that you actually love jockeying mm. and I thought it was a few times he let uh, Graham is they've got a very good right flank so yeah in that context but I didn't think he had the best game defensively not as bad as Pompey where he had a bit of a mare yeah um, but I think defensively consistency needs to improve um, yeah. I think that's why he's. he's if, if we lose him I would be surprised if you I would be totally gobsmacked but I would be surprised he went to Championship Club because I think he's still got a lot to work on um, I think if a team was going to sign him it probably would be League One side but then they probably wouldn't pay the money to get him so yeah. fingers crossed we're going to have him next season obviously he's 19 years old so saying he's got things to develop I don't think I'm, I'm being um, particularly outlandish with that
0: yeah, I think he clearly enjoys the attacking part of the game now. And yeah. I think I saw an interview with him where he said he's really realised how much he enjoyed attacking and actually that's where he sees his game. And maybe it could be that he's putting more work in on that part of the game, which he's clearly uh, getting results, but maybe to the detriment of some of the defensive work. So a balance probably to find in training, really, more than anything. Um, but yeah, the, the guy that you had in second, Pennington, um, I just want to say, like, when he started, I thought he was a bit of a cart horse, to be honest. He, he, he was giving me big Phil Jones vibes. You know, he was really... He seemed to be all out of sorts, but he's grown. He, with match fitness, he's become much better, and I think he is. He's definitely a very good footballer. Yeah. Um. So I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I might have had him wrong originally. Yeah, that's why
1: I always stick to my ten game rule thing. Yeah. Because you do need that bit of time to get used to the team. And yeah, you're right. He's been really, really good. It's interesting. Glimt had him second as well. Yeah. Which shows sure what a good game he had. And yeah, I think he'd be if we could sign him. He's a. He'd be a definite talent.
0: Um, we'll we'll be... never pay the wages that he. No, them. he'd have to take <laughs> no chance.
1: No, absolutely no, no chance that the chairman. Brian are going to break the, the wage structure. He'll have to accept yeah. our, our first team player wage, which we see to, to he's
0: going to go somewhere else. The, yeah, he won't be our player, but he won't be a Premier League player either. I think your lower championship, yeah, league, lower championship, maybe League One.
1: I don't know. He said he's enjoying himself here, so which you can't not say that when you've got the media lads in front <laughs> of you. Um, but beef is interesting to see where, where he goes. But if he signed, I'd be happy.
0: Oh, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that, that was the top three. Um, so what did um Aaron Wilberham had to say, he said it was a good performance. We were unlucky not to get a goal at half-time and go in with a lead. He said it was nice to get a clean sheet. And then again, they taught, um, he was asked by Stu Dunn about the late subs. And he said, when you've worked on a game plan and it's going so well, sometimes the changes can disrupt your play. Um, you can do changes for the sake of changes. And then also you can be disorganised. So often we think about changes, don't we, to improve our attacking play. Mm. But actually, I think there's actually some merit. It's an interesting comment. We, we Obviously, Gillingham are quite a unique team in how they attack, and changing that meant that maybe we could have actually lost some of our defensive solidity.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes fans are a little bit too quick to to, to be football manager experts or FIFA experts, and you make a sub in that, and it's sort of like the algorithm gives you a goal almost. But yeah. I think in professional football, there's something to be said for keeping that structure and keeping that sort of discipline to performance, especially when you'd be more than happy with a point. I think yeah. we all think make a change, get three points. But I imagine the pros on the bench have all experienced too many occasions where they've made a change and got no points. So I think pragmatism on the day probably won out and, and you can't argue with it really.
1: No, no, we, we we were confused a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember who we were playing where we didn't make any changes till really, really late. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny because we didn't make loads
0: of changes against Plymouth and we got a fantastic result. Yeah. And so in fact, was... under under Cottrell and, and Wilbraham, I've been encouraged by how willing they are to change things, yeah. whether it's tactically or whether it's bringing on subs at half time or not long into the second half. So I trust them to make the right decisions. And it's not like, you know, under Ricketts where you could literally time the time that he was going to make the <laughs> substitutions. It was going to be. You know, the 75th minute and he was going to take a striker off for a striker and nothing really changed. You know, they are quite adept at changing tactically or or personnel in the game. So they get it right more often than they get it wrong, I think.
1: And I think one of the nice things, though, is that, um, you know, under Ricketts, we were questioning his ability, um, his man management, his tactical ability, Mm. which was severely lacking. But with Steve Cottrell, that's something that, you know, he's he's definitely a a very, very strong manager. He's a championship manager, um, I would say, in League One. And so we need to kind of I think sometimes take a step back, and yeah, I think this guy really just know what he's doing.
0: You've got, you've got to remember he's working remotely as well. A lot of people yeah. are around the country, but he's literally you know on the phone at the match, watching it on a video screen. And I think I said it last time I was on. Imagine what, how good he's going to be when he's actually on the yeah. touchline. You know, in the training ground every day of the week. I think he's going to give us like another ten percent on what we're getting at the moment, if not more, because his presence around the place must be incredible when he can when he can turn the team around at halftime over the phone. Just imagine what you'll be like with his, you know his presence there all the time. Um, I can't wait to see how we get on next season. Oh, as long as he recovers properly and gets well, yeah. I can't wait to see.
1: Fingers crossed this happens. But I literally can't yeah. wait to see the um, you know the preseason photos, the training photos from the training oh, ground yeah. in the summer with a the sun shining and the managers there, kind of directing the players and the new players come through. Um, yeah, you know what it,
0: happened though? We'll lose our first ten and we'll boom out at this time, <laughs> But you know, it's good to it's good to hope while well we've got hope to hope with. And actually, you, um,
1: something I wanted to mention. Actually, you just reminded me that Ogbetter so if you imagine the, the improvement we saw from our defenders when Cottrell came in so you know you saw Pierre Ebanks and Williams yeah. improve 10-20% overnight through his coaching it will be fascinating to see what he can do with a bit of coaching for Ogbetter Um, and that would be really good to see Um, and then I thought it was a really really interesting comment so I nearly turned off the interviews and I was kind of cleaning the kitchen so so I just kind of left it on and let it play on and um, there was a question from the Jill's reporter he was asking the the standard question how's the manager and all this kind of stuff and you know the standard questions and then he made a comment that Shrewsbury Town are one of the fittest teams he's seen at Gillingham this season which considering we were criticising the team of poor fitness, and we really struggled, mm-hmm. didn't we, in the last 20 minutes of games under Ricketts? I think yeah. it's testament to how good the fitness team are and how well um, the staff have done to get the players this fit now because we're definitely much fitter, aren't we?
0: Yeah, and and um, yeah, like you say, under Ricketts, we were blowing with uh, with 20 or 30 to go sometimes. And there, were, there were some clear candidates for people who were massively unfit, yeah. And he had a tendency of buying unfit players as well, which yeah. didn't really help, you know. The great mystery that is Leon Clark, I mean, is he still <laughs> even at the club, but you know, um, but I just think. The big, the big uh, message from Ricketts is always, it's very difficult to build fitness during the season. You've got to go game to game. You can't push these lads too hard. Clearly, I mean, Cottrell's blown that out of the water because they must be doing a lot of fitness work because the fitness levels and the, the energy the guys put into the game, even into the 90th minute, is, it's night and day. You can't, you can't recognise the team that he inherited. How, however, is it, what, is it 20 games afterwards? It's, it's astonishing, really. And, yeah. you know, all credit to the setup they've got there and how they're managing fitness and, you know, tactical work. Tactical planning, ball work—it's all. It's amazing what they've got out of the resource they had at their disposal. Or is it more amazing how little Rick it's got out of them? Yeah,
1: it's it's amazing on both extremes, isn't it? Yeah. So you had a manager, and you also got the same—you had the same fitness staff. So you got pretty much mm. some of the same coaching stuff there, but just being directed by a new manager. And you know, sometimes I almost kind of—I don't know—maybe even underappreciated the importance of a manager. And mm. cultural, and this team is testament to how important a football manager really,
0: really is. Mm. I think when you look at the dismantling of the of the recruitment side of the team under Ricketts, yeah. clearly he wasn't giving the, the, the fitness guys their full free reign to work with the team. So I think he must have just been like a real micromanager and just yeah. trying to do it all uh, and possibly something for him to learn if he gets another job.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's really interesting you say that. I was listened to a Portsmouth podcast a few weeks ago and they had Danny Carole on, so a bit of a coup for them. And um, he, they asked him about recruitment, and he said that um, I think it was he used one of his Lincoln seasons, and he said we played fifty six games, and he said we're playing two games a week. He said that just doesn't give you any time to do recruitment. Yeah. So if you're not doing recruitment in the week in the seasons, you're not gonna have to, you're not gonna be able to do that job properly. So I thought that was a really interesting comment from Daddy Carley, and obviously I thought of I thought of that um, you know Adam left Don- to go to Doncaster, and now he's at Villa
0: because he yeah. wasn't being listened to. Mantle, isn't it? You know, we had a Premier League recruitment guy around, yeah. and he just—we just got rid of him.
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah, he just wasn't being. Obviously, from hearing from the lines and what I've heard and stuff, I get the sense he just wasn't being listened to. So he wasn't like sacked <laughs> or anything. He was just sidelined. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you're going to get fed up of that eventually.
0: Uh, and then look at the recruitment that Ricketts did. I mean, it's it's, it's shocking, really. I mean, you only look at a better coming in. um I don't think we did target him under Ricketts, and and what a revelation he's been. So yeah. More I game, guess we please. did get
1: Williams under Ricketts, but yeah, the, the, the there, was, there was a lot more duds than there was positive signings oh, yeah. under Ricketts, and and this is the part of the reason why everyone's so excited, aren't they, to next season? Yeah, cool. So yeah, let's um let's bring this pod to a close. So um I mean, in terms of um predictions, so um me and Glenn went for um actually a win. We were overly positive after the three <laughs> 0 um win um over Plymouth, and um, we're obviously wrong there. We should have gone for a draw. So the next few games um, are going to be tough. Um, so we've got Oxford at home, and Oxford are on, on an absolute mission at the moment. And um, they're really trying to get into the playoffs. Uh, but they are chasing down um, sixth place, um, like yeah, they like their lives depend on it. And mm. yeah, they beat Crew six nil on Saturday. Good grief.
0: Yeah, that I didn't actually realise that you beat Crew six 0 So uh, <laughs> yeah, we we could be in trouble. Is that is that Tuesday night or is that Saturday? It's Tuesday. So we've got oh, two okay. games
1: this week coming up. So on Tuesday night we've got Oxford, and then we've got Saturday at home. Um, and yeah so um, so Oxford are absolutely flying at the moment they, they did lose to Accrington Stanley um, 2-1 in the league a few weeks ago uh, so six days ago they lost to Stanley so mm-hmm. their results are very hit and miss they beat yeah. um, they lost to Sunderland 3-1 um, they beat um, Lincoln 2-1 um, that was on TV a few weeks ago um, and then Doncaster on the other side obviously they lost their manager um, and they're not doing so well at the moment they are now 11th um, but they've lost of the last five games they've lost four and drawn one Right, wow. okay. So, yeah, so in terms of predictions for um, for, for Saturday, I'm not sure if Glynn is fully aware of um, how poor Doncaster are at the moment. He went for a, a 1 0 draw, but I'm going for a 2 1 win to
0: Shrewsbury. What do you reckon? Uh, well, now you've told me they're on stinking form um, <laughs> and dropping like a stone. Inevitably, we'll, we'll cough up one of our meek results again. And so, I can see why Glynn's gone 1 1, but I'm going to be optimistic and say 1 0. Cool,
1: so you're in for a one yeah. nil win. Cool, so yeah, in terms of fixtures, so this week we've got Oxford, then we've got Doncaster, and then for the rest of the month, again it's it's Monday, it's Tuesday, Saturday going on. So we've got Wigan after that at home. So we've got three. Home, um, sorry, we we're away, Oxford United. Then we're at home to Doncaster. We're at home to Wigan, away at Blackpool, and then at home to to um, to Lincoln again on um, the following Tuesday. And then we've got a couple of games in May, including Oxford again. So it's a bit odd, isn't it, playing um, Oxford twice um, in, in the last few games of the season.
0: It's an incredibly odd season. I mean that um sort of is it there's a Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday on the twentieth. Yeah. I'll be playing five aside at seven o'clock when that kicks off probably. Um get back for the second half. So it's it's a really weird season where, you know, there's football happening literally up the road from my house and I'll be in and around the ground, but you can't actually go and watch it and I, I can't wait for the season to be end, to be honest. Yeah. It's almost like Steve Coxwell's got a huge he's had a huge pre season to work on. He's had so much time with the current squad, he's had so much time to put plans in place that, you know, it's it's a real opportunity for us to kick on next season. So We'll get through these games. We're pretty much safe. Um, yeah. Try and achieve as much as we can. We're clearly not going to trouble the playoffs, but yeah. Um, set ourselves up good for next season, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's why I'm so excited. And we've got some winnable games in there. Wigan, Doncaster, mm-hmm. um, Lincoln are, are tailing off a bit as well. And then we're going to May. And we've got Ipswich who aren't doing so well. And on the last day of the season, we are playing away at Crew who seem to have obviously got their, their flip-flops out already so yeah it's going to be an interesting game and end to the season
0: it's Such a shame not to get, have crew away as the last game of the yeah. season because that a great day on the train Yeah, you know you go up there have a few beers watch the match and you know it's a pretty quick trip back so you know you can have a nice end of season night out with your mates so it's just such a shame that the fans have been sort of taken away from this end of season because it's always the best part of the season I think it's a lot of fun
1: yeah um, I like it when the yeah we're driving home it's still light that's nice yeah. and then also you guys walking home but yeah the away trips away at crew, definitely would have been a, it
0: wouldn't be one of those away days where you just see a lot of faces you haven't seen for a while yeah. Um, so oh, yeah it's a shame I've got a question for you Ollie actually just thinking about it because I was just thinking about it then and I can't really put my flag anywhere with kind of safety guaranteeing the 50 points on the, on the board where, where do you think, how do you think this is going to end the season where do you think we're going to finish
1: it's a very good question. I'm tempted to actually have a go and see how it's going to work out if I'm going to predict the results. But I've got this feeling we're going to finish 14th. Okay. So I think we're going to use those games in hand. Even though we've got Oxford, Ipswich and Lincoln as the games in hand, I think we're going to jump up a few places. Mm. And I'd love us to catch MK Dons. Because, yeah, we've played 38 games now and like Plymouth above us, have played 41. They've only got five games left. So, yeah, we could easily, I think, jump up. What about yourself? Where do you think we'll finish?
0: Yeah, I'd say I was looking at it earlier on, and um, when you sort of consider our games in hand, which are never the greatest benchmark because you could lose all of yeah. them, but you know, there's definitely some points to be grabbed back, and you start to think, oh, we're not going to be far off 10th here. So I think, all being well, you know, 14th, 13th seems like a, a reasonable uh, a reasonable target for the team. You kind of almost would be disappointed if we finished 17th now, yeah. although we've, we've inhabited that space for the best part of the season. I think there's an opportunity there for us to. You know, get the second best ever League One finish under our belts. Going to next season with that optimism as well, so hopefully the team can grab the grab the nettle and yeah, you know, let's look at twelfth. Let's think that's a, a nice target to hit.
1: And I think it would help when let's be honest. You know, if you're an agent and you've got players all over the divisions and you're trying to convince a player, if you finish twelfth, sounds mm. a lot better than finishing seventeenth.
0: Yeah, and also you can point at the form under the new manager. You know, yeah. it went up like a rocket. They finished twelfth. They finished on the front foot. Hopefully, we can keep hold of some of the. the the, the core squad members and that'll make us slightly more attractive than oh here's Stoogesby Town they finished 7th they started 17th they're always 17th you know it's it never changes there why would you go and play your football there
1: yeah no definitely yeah. and also it was interesting I thought in Vela's post-match he was really keen to get into the top half so they want to get to 12th as well um, so that's, that's, oh, really, that's really interesting to hear I thought
0: excellent yeah, so yeah, fingers crossed for the rest of the season,
1: I guess. Yep. Yeah. So really appreciate you coming on, Mike. Thanks for stepping in for your brother. Um, and yeah, yeah we'll see what we'll have you on for the end of season pod. If you're not in, if you don't join us for another episode before
0: the end of the well, season. Well, I'm sure you'll have a. A massive clamour for me to replace him full-time but I will let him come back and do the podcast again, you know? it's been re- I'm happy to step in when he's under the weather you know
1: <laughs> it's been really great having you on and it's been good to hear yeah a different voice and a different opinion even though your voices do actually sound quite similar which is quite funny yeah
0: I imagine most of the listeners think this is Glyn anyway so uh, <laughs> we moan about the same stuff and we have pretty much the same voice anyway so when I ring my mum and dad's house they my mum always calls me Glyn Oh. So, no, no, it's your other son. Remember me,
1: not the famous one. It's <laughs> oh, a great place to leave it. So really, really yeah. appreciate you coming on, Mike. Um, you've been really good hearing your views. And um, yeah, thanks guys for listening. And um, yeah, me and hopefully if will be back next week after he's enjoyed the masters. <laughs> Cheers guys. Cheers we are staying up